0: Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad that you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Mill Works in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. All right. Good morning, everybody. Um, Before we get into the message, I just want to remind you that on Wednesday, we have a special service, our Ash Wednesday service. I know that uh, in a non denominational church like this, we may come from different backgrounds or flavors of. the Christian faith, and some of them celebrate Ash Wednesday, Um, some of them may not, uh, typically. Uh, But we at St. Paul's have made it a a practice for quite a few years now of observing uh, what's known as the season of Lent, the 40 days before Easter, which begins with Ash Wednesday. Believe it or not, um, Easter is about 40 days uh, from this Wednesday. And the whole idea of this period of time is to prepare ourselves for the celebration of the resurrection. And um, I will speak on Wednesday evening a little bit more about how we do that during this season. Um, but uh, I encourage you, if you can, to come out 6 p.m. on Wednesday. We're actually going to be having the service downstairs, um, and this is the service where you know you might you get ashes on your forehead if you want, and the symbol of a cross. Um, Unfortunately Ash Wednesday does fall on Valentine's Day uh, this year and uh, we can't change Ash Wednesday I mean it's in the name it's on Wednesday so there's no adjusting that but I joked at the membership meeting see this is perfect it's a little early right it starts at 6 so you go you and your date can come to service right you get your ashes on your forehead, and then the rest of the evening you look at each other and you're reminded, as you look one ano- at one another, that you are both sinners who are going to die. <laughs> right? It's a very romantic way to uh, spend Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, today is our fourth and final week in our series, The Gospel of Matthew, The Beginning, where we're looking at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, And so far, we have talked about Jesus' baptism, his temptation by the devil, um, his first message, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this week, we are looking at when he called some of his first disciples, when he called fishermen. And I'm calling this message, The Invitation. We're going to be picking up right where we left off last week in Matthew chapter 4 starting in verse 18. So as you find your way there, let me pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Uh, We thank you for the joy of being able to worship you together, and we thank you for this opportunity to um, study the scriptures And we just ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive whatever it is that your Holy Spirit wants to teach us today. We are listening to you. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 All right. So, as you may remember from last week, Jesus' ministry began with him moving from his hometown of Nazareth. to a fishing village called Capernaum, a Jewish fishing village, which had trade routes that went through it. So it was a mixture of both Jewish people and Gentiles, which is an appropriate place for Jesus to begin his ministry, right? Because he is a light not only to the Israelites, but eventually to the entire world. And Jesus had been traveling around Capernaum, and he had been announcing, repent, in other words, change your mind, for the kingdom of heaven Has come near so at this point Jesus has surely been gaining a reputation and now it is time for him to invite some people to follow him and so this is what happens next starting in verse 18 as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee he saw two brothers Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew they were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen come And the region across the Jordan followed him. So, Jesus called 12 primary disciples. And here we see the calling of four of them, who are all fishermen. Peter, also known as Simon, and his brother Andrew. And the sons of Zebedee, as they were known, uh, James and John. And Jesus calls them, and we're told that at once they left their nets... They left their boat, James and John, left their father, and they followed Jesus. Why did they do that? It's pretty, pretty sudden, right? <laughs> Abrupt. Well, Luke's Gospel actually fills in some of the details uh, that Matthew leaves out, and I think it helps us to understand a little bit more why they were so quick to follow Jesus. Luke tells us that Jesus had actually borrowed Peter and Andrew's boat, and he was standing in it and preaching to people on the shore. And so it's reasonable to assume that Peter and Andrew and James and John had gotten a taste of Jesus' preaching. They knew that there was something special about the way that he taught and the things that he was saying. Um, But there's more than that, actually. So, Jesus, after he finishes using Peter's boat, he says, put out the boat into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And Peter isn't too excited about that because he says, ah, we've been fishing all night, we haven't been able to catch anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. And so he does, and the nets become so filled with fish that they are starting to break, And James and John have to run over to help uh, Peter and Andrew pull in this miraculous catch. And so when Jesus says, follow me, these four men are people who have heard some of Jesus' teaching, and they also know that Jesus is a way better fisherman than they are, right? And so that's part of the reason why they are inclined to say, "We, we should follow this guy right? He's not just a total, a total stranger. Actually, Peter, Peter's reaction is interesting. He, when he f- first sees this miraculous catch of fish, he is so overwhelmed by the sense that he is in the presence of someone holy uh, that he says, away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. So that that gives us another reason why they were quick to follow Jesus when he said, follow me. Because they were very surprised to be asked. (laughs) Peter has the sense, I don't deserve to follow someone this holy. right? But Jesus, whatever Peter's flaws are, he is not uh, so offended by them that he follows Peter's request and goes away. No, he says, I still want you, right? He says, do not be afraid. I will make you a fisher of men, or I will make you someone who fishes for people. So when Jesus invites these Men. He is inviting people who probably were surprised that he would invite people of their moral caliber and They were also probably surprised that Jesus would invite people of their academic caliber um, in those days, it was not normal for a Rabbi or a teacher to invite students to follow them the norm was for the student to apply to follow the teacher You know, kind of like the way that students today would apply to go to college. Um, The way it would work is that at a young age, the Jewish kids would go to Torah school. At a certain point, the girls would stop, and the boys would be the only ones who continue. And the boys who are at the top of the class would keep advancing. But the ones who were not at the very top, with each progression, they would leave, and what they would usually go to do is to like learn the family business, like fishing, right? It was only those that went the whole way through at the very top of their class that then in the end basically did the equivalent of applying to the PhD program of their time and would say, well, I want to follow rabbi so-and-so, or whatever, and um, would, would ask to follow that teacher. So the fact that jesus is inviting fishermen Tells us that he is inviting people who weren't at the top of their class Right these are the people that dropped out at some point so that they could learn The family business and yet he comes to them and he says I want you I want you to follow me And this is probably partially why in the gospel of john Jesus says to his disciples you didn't choose me. I chose you Right? Because he's saying, you didn't apply to my PhD program. I picked you for it. I invited you to it. And what he's doing there, he's not, the point there isn't necessarily to teach some theology of predestination, right? but it's to give them comfort in saying, hey, I invited you, so I'm not going to leave you. Right. So, part of the reason that they drop everything they're doing is because they are so surprised that Jesus would ask people of their moral caliber and their academic caliber to follow him. Jesus is not just looking for people who are morally pure. He is not just looking for the people who are at the top of their class. He is looking for people who are willing to follow him and become what he intends for them to become. And for Peter, Andrew, James, and John that meant going from being fishermen to being fishers of men fishers of people So what did Jesus mean by that? What is that invitation to become a fisher of men? Well, of course, Jesus is using a metaphor And we got to be careful about how we understand metaphors, right? Because With a metaphor, there is always something that is similar about the metaphor and the thing that is being described, but there isn't necessarily a total correspondence between every aspect of the thing that is being described and the metaphor. So, for example, if you take Jesus' metaphor, totally literally, follow it to its logical endpoint, you're literally casting nets to catch people, which you then gut, right, and then eat or sell. So clearly Jesus is not saying that, right? I think we can all agree on that. Jesus is getting at something different when he says, I want to make you, or I'm going to make you, fishers of men. And part of the reason I bring this up is is I just want to remind us that when we read the Bible, we have to be careful about how we understand the metaphors and the parables in it. There isn't always a complete correspondence between the metaphor and the parable and reality, but there is something about the metaphor or parable that corresponds to reality. For, for example, this is an obvious one, but, you know, the Bible says that God is a rock. Okay, well, that means that God is constant, and he is reliable, and he's faithful, and he's dependable. But it doesn't mean that he is inanimate or a shade of gray, Right? And I think we naturally understand this, but there are some other things other parables and metaphors in the Bible that are a little bit harder to discern and so We just got to be careful. We have to be thoughtful and prayerful about how we understand them So what is similar about fishing and what Jesus is calling these men to do? Well, the similarity isn't so much in what comes after the catch as in the catching itself So, let's think about the way that the disciples caught fish, okay? Remember, Jesus told them to do what? To let down their nets. And that's how they did it. They would let down their nets, and then if there were fish in the water nearby, they would get caught in the net, they'd pull it up. Simple. Now, notice that method of fishing doesn't concern itself with hooks, Or bait it doesn't strategize about what kind of fish you're trying to catch the method is just let down your nets I've heard some people teach on being fishers of men and um, they'll say something like well you know a good fisherman knows what kind of fish he's trying to catch he knows what kind of hooks are best for catching that fish what kind of line to use? What kind of bait will attract them? And so we've got to recognize, right, when we evangelize, we got to be strategic. And we got to think through, you know, things like, well, what, kind of, what generation are we seeking to reach? Right? Is it Generation Z, the Millennials, the Xers, the Boomers? And if so, what's the best way to do it? What's going to lure them in? What's going to attract them, Right? TikTok videos, donuts, um, contemporary praise team, hymns, candles, right? What's going to do it? And there's nothing wrong, of course, with thinking strategically about how to share the gospel with different kinds of people. Although I will say, I don't recommend using the analogy of hooks and bait. Um... (laughs) Rather than asking, hey, how do we hook that kind of person? We should be asking, how do we serve this kind of person? Right? How do we deal with the needs of this particular generation? That's a a much better way to think about it. But anyway, okay, I'm not saying that we should not think strategically about how to share the gospel. But strategy is not what Jesus was emphasizing when he said i'm going to make you fishers of men because book baits bait and hooks were not how commercial fishing fishermen did their job okay they just let down their nets so here's how i would encourage us to think about this okay the net that the disciples are being invited to let down into the world is jesus the net is jesus It is his message of good news. It's his welcome into the kingdom of heaven. It's his offer of forgiveness and peace with God. It is his teaching. This is the net. And later in Matthew's gospel, Jesus will say that the kingdom of heaven is like a big net. There's a parable with that image. And he says it's like a net that drags a dragnet a net that drags along, around, along the ocean, and it just picks up everything in its path. And he says it picks up both the good and the bad. And that is a, an important correspondence between the metaphor and reality. Um, the, the drag nets that fishermen would use, they caught both the good and the bad, both the fish that people wanted to eat and the fish that people didn't like. It would catch the, even the shellfish that were not kosher That they would not eat, right? It would catch old sandals and stuff like that. Um, The net would catch it all. So what Jesus is inviting his disciples to is a life of sharing the gospel that does not discriminate about who will receive it or deserve it. Jew or Gentile, slave or free, rich or poor, Male or female, top of the class or bottom of the class, saint or sinner. The net of the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be cast indiscriminately. To be a fisher of people means helping people to get caught up in the life of Jesus, the story of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. Jesus called the disciples to that task of helping people to get caught up in him. Now, that raises a question, right? Are we all called to that task? Well, certainly it's true that as individuals, we are not all called to exactly the same thing that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were. We're not all called to be traveling missionaries, preaching before crowds. We all have unique roles to play in the body of Christ, right? However, and this is a very important however, the church collectively is called to be the fisher of people, right? So if you are part of Christ's church, then you are called to play some part in this task of casting the net for the kingdom of heaven and helping people to get caught up in the life of Jesus, the life and teaching of Jesus. And there are so many ways to be a part of that. Um, For example, small thing, even just being present in a worship service, like you are today, is a way that you help to cast the net. Because every time that you come here, and you wake up a little earlier on a Sunday morning than you want to, and you choose to move your body to another location in order to worship Christ, when you do that, you are testifying to the world that the life of Jesus is worth getting caught up in. You are a a living, breathing testimony of that. Now, does everybody notice that? Well, not everybody, but some people might, right? The fact that we gather like this at least once a week is a testimony to the world that Jesus is real and that he is risen. So that's just one little thing. And in some seasons of life, that might be all you can do for a season, right? And that's okay. But if you are part of Christ's church, you are called to play some role in this task that we collectively are a part of, of casting the net for the kingdom of heaven, helping people to get caught up in the life and teaching of Jesus. You know, you can also help the church cast the net by making the church a more hospitable place, by helping to clean up or set up tables or make food, basically everything that Caleb was talking about, everything that the sign-up sheets downstairs are about. uh, Those are all ways that you can help the church cast the net, even if you are not called to be a fisher of people in the same way that the disciples were traveling around and preaching, you are definitely called to help Christ church be a fisher of people. So, Now, if we want to do that even better than we currently are, both as individuals and as the church, there's a couple of questions that I think we should reflect on inspired by this story. So, I'm going to give you two reflection questions. And uh, I can't answer these for you. My hope is that you will seek the Holy Spirit and ask Him to help you to answer these, uh, both this morning and this week. So, number one is Jesus calling me to leave something behind? It's Jesus calling me to leave something behind. Peter, Andrew, James, and John left their boats, left their nets, left their source of income, left their, their security, right? Fishing was their secure place. The family business. When we follow Jesus, sometimes he calls us to leave something behind. Now, of course, he calls us to leave evil behaviors and practices behind, but sometimes he calls us to leave things behind that aren't even necessarily bad, but he just has something else for us. Right? A fishing business is not a bad thing at all. But the disciples needed to leave their nets behind if they were going to follow Jesus and become what he intended them to be. They had to leave what they were used to, and they had to venture out into the unknown. Now, I got permission from Keith to share this story this morning. I had already put it in my uh, manuscript, so I'm glad that he said okay, because that would be awkward (laughs) if he hadn't. Um, But this whole idea of leaving your nets, it reminded me of a story from Keith's life. So Keith, our associate pastor, um, about 10 years ago, he worked with the Yukon women's basketball team. He was a videographer for them. And so he had a good job, you know, palling around with Gino. Um, and I'm sure it was a well paying job with good benefits. Um, but he felt in his heart that that job was not actualizing who God intended for him to be, right? And so he was feeling this call. And at the time, St. Paul's Church was desperately in need of staff. There was a period of time where there was not a uh, full-time pastor, and the future of the church was very uncertain. And Keith decided to take the risk and, and leave his nets, leave that comfortable, well-paying job and go to a part-time, much lower-pay, no-benefits job, right? And um, that was a risky move, right? Now, Tracy had a job with benefits, still does, so it, it was not a leap into total radical uncertainty, right? but it was a choice to take a substantial uh, pay cut in order to follow Jesus where Keith sensed that Jesus was calling him. And honestly, I don't don't know if this church would still be here if Keith hadn't made that choice 10 years ago. He left his nets. He took a risk. And I don't think he regrets it. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Most days. days. Now, I want to be clear, okay, Jesus does not call all of us to do what Keith did. Please don't assume that you're supposed to leave your job uh, or sacrifice your income in order to follow Jesus. That is certainly not always the case it's not even usually the case but even if it's not a job jesus may still be calling you to leave something behind in order to better get caught up in the life and teaching of jesus yourself and in order to help others better get caught up in the life and teaching of jesus so maybe you need to leave behind a grudge that you've been holding on to for a long time Maybe you need to leave behind a negative perception of yourself that you've bought into since you were a child due to some kind of mistreatment or trauma. Maybe you need to leave behind a regret that you cannot stop dwelling on. You just keep keep dwelling on that regret. Maybe you need to leave behind some kind of worry that haunts you wherever you go. So think about that this week. What might Jesus be calling me to leave behind so that I can better help others to get caught up in the life and teaching of Jesus, and better get caught up in it myself, right? Okay, and then the second question for reflection is, how can I join Jesus in the healing of others? How can I join Jesus in the healing of others? So there's a part of this passage that we haven't really looked at yet, which is what happens immediately after Jesus invites the disciples to follow him, right? He says, follow me, I'll make you fishers of people, and then what comes next? Well, it says that Jesus travels around proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. When the kingdom of heaven comes near there is good news for those who are suffering. When the net of the kingdom of heaven is cast and it catches people, they experience healing. Now, not always immediate physical healing, although sometimes that does happen, and we trust that ultimately it will happen in the life everlasting for everyone caught Up in Jesus' life and, and teaching. But when we get caught up in the life and teaching of Jesus, there is always healing of some kind spiritual healing, emotional healing, and yes, sometimes physical healing. When the kingdom of heaven comes near, peace is offered to those who are suffering, support and love are given to those. Who are in pain. And as Isaiah put it, those who are walking in darkness see a great light. A light dawns. So when we are fishers of people, part of what we are doing is helping to bring alleviation of suffering in the name of Jesus. We look for where the pain is, and we seek to bring relief that is part of what it means to be like Jesus. Wherever he went, he brought healing, right? So if we're following him, we should ask, how can I partner with Christ in that? How can I be a part of bringing that healing? What opportunities do I have to help people where they hurt? So I think it's important to have this shift in our perspective, right? Fishing for people is not just about a transfer of information, although that's part of it, right? But it's also about the sharing of healing, right? Emotional healing, physical healing, soul healing. And Jesus is inviting you. This is an invitation, right? Jesus is inviting you to cast an indiscriminating net for the kingdom of heaven, to participate in his work of bringing relief to those who are suffering, right? Freedom for the captives, sight for the blind, good news for the poor. We are invited, you are invited, so let's follow. Amen? Lord, we do pray that you would make us as individuals and as your church, fishers of people. And we pray, Lord, that as we cast the net for the kingdom of heaven, uh, that as people get caught up in your life and teaching, that it would bring healing, and that we would be able to experience the joy of being part of that, that we would get caught up in it and experience the healing that you came to bring, and that we would share that healing indiscriminately, Lord, We invite your spirit to work in and through us. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.